out of the closet and onto the silver screen. This is Gays Only Cinema, where all the movies we watch are rated G for gay. I'm your host, Teddy. And I'm your host, Saya. And today we're watching a movie called A New York Christmas Wedding, which I quite enjoy, but <laughs> I haven't talked to you about it yet, so I actually don't know how you feel about it. Um... The first 20 minutes were really rough, but then I think it got a lot better after that. Yeah, I can definitely see that. It's definitely, it's, uh, well, one of our goals with this episode was to watch a more sort of low budget, dubious quality movie because I <laughs> yeah. love that sort of thing a lot personally. So that's definitely what this is. This isn't like a super high budget, extremely well-crafted uh, like masterpiece or anything. But uh, part of why I personally like it is I just think it has some really interesting ideas. Like, yeah, for it, sure. it takes some big swings. It doesn't always like hit, but it, <laughs> but I admire it for taking the swings, you know? Yeah. And it feels like, I mean, it feels like the sort of thing that's almost helped by it being a lower budget movie in some ways. Oh, definitely, because there's a lot of stuff that if it was like a higher budget movie with a bigger production and like more people involved, there's probably a lot of the decisions they made that they wouldn't have been able to make, you know? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like a lot of edges that would have been smoothed out in a way that would have made it less interesting. Yes, exactly. But yeah, before we dive into the movie itself, I just uh, wanted to do a quick overview of the fact that this has actually been a pretty big year as far as gay Christmas movies go. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty but interesting. There's been like quite a few releases, which is which is very interesting, including several from the sort of classic television channels that always do like a million generic uh, Christmas rom-coms every year, including there's there's a Hallmark one, well, which I think only kind of counts. There's a Lifetime one and there's a Paramount uh, channel one that, like, this is the first time that any of those channels have made anything with a significant amount of gay content, which is really interesting. And then yeah. uh, there also was the big name Happiest Season that had, like, big name actors in it and stuff. But yeah, just to, and like some other small studio ones. So to go over them quickly, there was Happiest Season which I personally had mixed feelings about. There was uh, Dashing in December is the one made by Paramount that I thought was fun. Again, just super cheesy, shallow rom-com, big like investment banker from the city goes back to the ranch he grew up on and falls in love with the ranch <laughs> hand who literally oh, lives I... in the stable. <laughs> I remember you talking about this one, yeah. <laughs> It's so funny to me. It's made especially funny to me by the fact that it was filmed in Utah. So, like, I recognize mm. the landscapes. And it's really obvious that they filmed it in the summertime and then, like, CGI'd <laughs> snow on top of it. Oh, <laughs> like, like, all of the deciduous trees still have all their leaves on them, like green oh, leaves, God. not even the fall. They haven't even changed color yet. 
(laughs) But then snow on top of them is so funny to me. (laughs) But then there's, uh, then there's, uh, the Christmas setup, which was the Lifetime Channel one that is notable partially because, uh, Fran Drescher is in it and the two lead actors are actually married in real life. So that's kind of cute. Yeah. Again, just generic Christmas rom-com guy, lawyer from the big city goes back to his hometown, you know. Yeah, gotta change that profession out slightly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And then uh, there was one that was from, first of all, there was the Hallmark one, which I've seen a lot of people cite as being like on the same level as the Christmas setup and dashing in December, which to me it's not at all because it's actually, it's called the Christmas house and it's actually mostly a, just a straight Christmas rom-com. Like the right. main couple is a man and a woman, but the main guy has a gay brother who's already married and uh, the brother and his husband are trying to figure out how to adopt. And that's like a side plot in it. And right, they're, like, right. su- they're like sweet enough, but they are barely characters. Plot. Yeah, it's it's a side plot. It's not, it doesn't count to me. Right. But then there's uh, one by like a small indie studio that does a lot of uh, like lesbian movies specifically called Mm. uh, I Hate New Year's. Mm. That was pretty cute. But for some reason, I didn't connect with it very much. Like there wasn't much there for me to get into. Like, right. I don't know. Just didn't do it for me. And then, of course, there was, on Netflix, a New York Christmas wedding, which is what we're going to be talking about today. What I found interesting about it was that it was far less of, like, a typical Christmas rom-com than what I had assumed it would be. Oh, yeah. Like, the other ones I mentioned, like, especially the Christmas setup and Dashing in December are the ultimate, like, cliche Mm. tropes of these Christmas rom-coms, which I'm fine with because I can enjoy a shallow Christmas (laughs) rom-com. But... A New York Christmas wedding really is pretty unique. Yeah. Yeah, I was really surprised by the tone and, and like, it is Christmassy in some way, but not in that really tropey, like, oh, Christmas is so special and uh, it will change your life. And here's a town where everyone loves uh, Santa or something. Like, you didn't really have anything like that. It was a lot more about, like, uh, religion and faith in, like, a realistic way. Yeah, it does feel a lot more like a real Christmas, I guess, that way. Because, mm. yeah, it definitely does lean heavier on the religious aspects of it than most movies like this do. But it doesn't really, yeah, you're right. It doesn't really have that big, like, secular Christmas, like, mm. Christmas is the most important time of the year <laughs> ever. And it's completely magical and everything is so important on Christmas. It's almost mm. co- like it kind of just happens to be yeah, yeah, Christmas. Right. <laughs> or like the yeah. it's Christmas because of some specific personal connection. Pers- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not because of some like big important thing that's inherent to Christmas, I guess. I mean, it's also interesting because most of the Christmas media we have uh, here in Denmark is really secularized. So I was really surprised about the amount of, like, uh, like real Christianity in it. <laughs> yeah, that definitely makes sense. Like, uh, from my generation, like, the, the Christmas media that 
is probably most popular was like about the Norse gods. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not super Christian. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> I mean, usually you have something with Santa or something, but even then it's in that super secularized way that has nothing to do really with Christmas as such, like, or like the Christian thing. Yeah, yeah. No, but that it, that was one of the things that made this movie really interesting. And it's, like, mm. very highly specifically Catholic as well. It's not generic yeah, yeah, yeah. Christianity. And it's more interesting for that, I think, in, in, in that specificity. I agree, because it makes it feel very particular. Like, mm. it makes the characters feel more real because they're yes, so specific. Yes. Yeah, but, I think it, often people are afraid almost to make characters too specific in a way because that's supposed to make them less relatable but i often found that it actually makes them more relatable because they feel more real even if you don't really have a like personal knowledge of that culture or a personal connection with that culture yeah that's definitely a big thing for me i think that's part of why a new york christmas wedding was a movie i really connected to whereas mm -hmm. uh i hate new year's is a movie that i didn't really connect to because that uh, that movie felt so generic that there I didn't feel any point of connection like I didn't get into the characters at all because mm. there was nothing for me to like connect think more to. deeply about I guess yeah nothing for me to connect to whereas this it's like so specific I'm like okay well I'm not catholic and I'm not uh, particularly religious these days when I don't have this deep faith but yet right. like these characters like determination to be married in the church by their priests and stuff is something that I can have an emotional connection to because I can see how important it is to them and mm. it's a way for me to like get into their characters more because here's this specific thing to them that they care about a lot and so I can care about it vicariously through them if that makes right. any sense right yeah yeah that's how I feel as well. Yeah. But yeah, before we get into any, like, actual spoilers, like the play-by-play, -play, uh, any more sort of generic thoughts on this? Well, I will say a lot of my notes are, like, in all caps because I was just, like, <laughs> reacting to the movie. And, I mean, I, I deal pretty badly with secondhand embarrassment, and there was definitely some stuff in there where I was like, no, please... Yeah, that definitely uh, makes sense to me. And there are a lot of twists and turns yeah, in yeah, this. Yeah. If you're watching it for the first time, this is like my fourth time watching it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just been watching it repeatedly. But, uh, but again, yeah. I think it really it redeems itself in, in the first. I, don't, I, I mean, it was never that bad, but I was just like, the opening doesn't really give you a good impression of the rest of the movie. Because I feel like once they're done with the setup, it becomes a lot better. That's true. And I definitely think the first time I watched this movie, I remember there was there's a lot of the plot stuff that is like it really is kind of a lot of twists and turns and you don't mm. know yet if you trust where it's going. Right. Yeah. Which can make it kind of an anxious experience. But to me, the ending sold it. Like the ending was good enough that I'm like, right, okay, yeah. that makes the rest of what came before it interesting. But up until that point, I was like, I don't know if it's going to stick the <laughs> landing or not. If it had had a different ending, I might have hated the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I would have been okay with it, but yeah, it's, it definitely, yeah, it definitely has some twists that, that, yeah, change the experience in some ways for sure 
There is one particular twist that we'll get into later after the spoiler break that I think was just straight up a bad idea. And I'm like, they shouldn't have done that. But I, I, I think I know which one and I agree. <laughs> it's just, you get to that reveal and you're like, why though? Like, excuse why me? Did, why, why did you do Please? that? <laughs> you should not have done that. Uh, yeah, let's let's talk about it when we get, we get to it. Yeah, because oh, I think we'll, it's the same we'll thing. We'll get into yeah. it. Yeah, we'll yeah. get into it. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise like setting that part aside i like the rest of the movie yeah so, uh if from this generic discussion you think it sounds interesting or something you'd like to have watched ahead of time before our discussion go ahead and go watch it it's on netflix it's easy to find a new york christmas wedding and it's a, it's a, a netflix in north america australia and uh i think the uk so okay. if, like me, you're not from those areas, you'll have to do some Googling. Um, but you're probably used to that, so if yeah, you're familiar with these areas. that's fair. <laughs> okay, so now diving into the movie proper. We have uh, your generic opening monologue, the voiceover with some generic stuff to say about love and New York City. <laughs> with all these shots of New York City in the winter. And uh, we find out later, this is a bit of a spoiler, but the person doing the monologue is uh, the angel, Asriel. And he says some stuff about how in heaven, love is easy, but on earth, it's really difficult. And he's going to tell you his personal favorite love story that happens in New York around Christmas. So then you get the first sort of big movie sequence that's happening in the past. And there are several sort of different time zones in this movie i guess you could say yeah there's time the stuff that, jumps yeah yeah there's the stuff that happens in the past and then the present and then some alternate timelines which again we'll get into later but so this first scene takes place in the past and so the two main characters are teenagers uh the two main characters are jenny and gabby Jenny is preparing for this big Christmas celebration. She's baking cookies. She's making eggnog. Gabby is off in her own house, uh, hanging out with her boyfriend, Vinny. Uh, Jenny calls Gabby and they get into a big fight because Gabby was supposed to go over to Jenny's house to help decorate a tree. But Gabby's hanging out with her boyfriend and Jenny says all this stuff like, is he there with you? And Gabby's like, I can't be there for you all the time, 24-7. Like, let me live. Let me breathe. And like, they get so worked up on this. Jenny eventually is like, well, never talk to me again. <laughs> it's like, this is It's it. the most teenage thing ever. It's so teenage. <laughs> oh, I was just like, calm down, please. It's like, if you won't come over and help me decorate this tree <laughs> right now, never speak to me again. And then after she gets off the phone, she even goes and writes a letter to oh my God. Gabby that, again, is just reiterating, never talk to me again. We're not <laughs> friends anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to say this from the start. I'm, a, I'm on Gabby's side of this. Like, get off her ass, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but like at the same time, I'm also kind of sympathetic to Jenny because right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jenny's clearly still in that space of uh, I'm a repressed teenager who doesn't mm. know how to handle the romantic feelings I have for my best friend who's also right. a girl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is understandable. It's just, yeah, it's very teenage Like everything has to be the biggest uh, drama ever. Yes, yes. 
Well, and uh, an important line, I think, from this scene is that Gabby, one of the things Gabby says during their fight is like, you act like we're dating. And just to be clear, we're not. And like, mm. that's that's important because it's already establishing the like romantic the, the relationship. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, after she sends that letter, then we jump to the present day. So this is when they're adults now, or at least where Jenny is an adult, because uh, during this first scene where Jenny is at is uh, working as a vet tech and is helping to put down a dog, essentially, uh, she like ends up having this conversation with the vet about how this time of year around Christmas is really hard for her because of all the people she's lost in her life. Like her dad died around Christmas and her best friend died and she wasn't sure that either of them felt like someone was there for them when in the moment that they died. So she just ha- is kind of in her feelings about all this. So basically yeah, from this, we find out that Gabby's dead. And it, it's like very like bad exposition dialogue, I feel. Oh, it's not very subtle, no. No, and I'm also a bit like, I mean, of course a, a dog dying is upsetting, but it's also just a bit weird to compare that directly to like your dad dying and your best friend dying. <laughs> That's true. And it is also true that maybe that's not the best line of work to go into if you're that upset about no, it. No, also that, yeah. Also, one thing that makes this scene really kind of funny and weird to me is that this never, like, comes up again. Right, yeah. Like, the oh fact my that God. she's interested in animals or training to be a vet tech. And, like, they even they established that she quit a job at Goldman Sachs to yeah, become which a vet doesn't tech. doesn't really come up either, yeah. Which... Yeah, you would think that would mean this was a big life move for her and this was something that was significant yeah, or important Yeah, we would, in we some would see way. her like, be, be interested in animals and stuff or something. But no, it just but, gets completely dropped. Like, and later in the movie, you're like, does she even have a job? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. I guess we never really establish what her job is in the alternate reality. Right, huh? yeah. I'm like, does she have a job in the alternate like? Because I thought it would be like, oh, so you have this, like, I don't really know what's going on. So she would go into, like, some sort of, uh, like, job she doesn't really know what's going on with or something. And would have to potentially use more, like, more of an expert than she is or something. Yeah, but yeah. But no. No, it doesn't come up. <laughs> but yeah, but you even... know she's, But you know she's a good person because she likes dogs. So. But she even she has a dog in the alternate reality, <laughs> but doesn't seem to particularly like the dog or seem to have an affinity with dogs. No. <laughs> so I don't. But I guess I guess I mean I feel like a better way to establish this would have been if she like uh, saw a car crash or something and like comes back to her apartment upset about that and talks talks to her boyfriend about it or something. Like it feels like a weird way to establish the fact that she has trauma about like Christmas time and people dying. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and for any listeners who didn't watch the movie ahead of time who are confused, she eventually goes to an alternate reality where her dad and Gabby aren't dead. So that's what we're talking about when we talk yeah. about the alternate reality. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, in this present day after the stuff with the vet, the vet basically just tells her to go home to like recover she's like oh i can take care of the rest of this here you're upset just go home and Mm. on the subway ride home she uh sees like a young lesbian couple being like cuddly and 
like clearly has some repressed feelings while watching them. Yeah, it was like 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 watching uh, like a gay couple uh, on public <laughs> transportation is just a mood, honestly. Yeah, like and yep. the, and the way she looks away, like oh, I probably should be staring, like oh, like I I've done that, I've been there. <laughs> oh yeah, it's very recognizable. It's this part actually is pretty subtle, but yeah, very yeah, recognizable yeah. as the like yes, I I have some feelings about. Yeah women being in love with each other (laughs) yeah but yeah but then she arrives home where she's having dinner with her fiance and his parents so in this timeline she's engaged to a man named david uh who is like the rich heir to a company because of course he is because of course he is and she's clearly not happy about having this dinner And it's also clear that her mother-in-law is basically planning the whole wedding, not consulting Jenny at all. And the mother-in-law has decided on Christmas Eve is the date, which Jenny is not happy about. Right. And they have this whole, like, conversation where they're kind of, like, sniping at each other, like the mother-in-law. Yeah, she's just been controlling. Yeah, she's super controlling. She's also criticizing Jenny's career choices and her Mm. inability to make decisions and has this whole thing of like, well, I'm sorry that your family's gone, but I'm trying to throw the wedding of the century. (laughs) (laughs) It's all very like, uh, uh, like hammy, like overacted almost. It feels like, I mean, it feels like the the actress is having a lot of fun with it. (laughs) Oh, definitely. It's also funny because this is the scene that at least when this movie first went up on Netflix, this was the little trailer preview that they what? showed you. If you were going to watch That's a really the mo- bad like, introduction to it. It is. And again, it doesn't. it's not clear from the title or the like thumbnails or especially this scene where she's arguing with her fiance's mother about this wedding that it's a gay movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like no one's going to know everyone's gonna think this is a straight movie yeah yeah like about problem with problems with your in-laws or something yeah. exactly so really weird scene to show is the trailer yeah. but anyway but yeah, Jenny... i also feel like like uh the boyfriend david is just like he's not saying anything he's not really like he very very uh, uh weakly defensive about the career choice thing but he doesn't really get into it it's like like stand up for like your partner what are you doing yeah he doesn't stand up for her on the wedding stuff at all especially yeah and jenny's pretty upset about that and everything going on so she basically just leaves the table and is immediately like i'm going on a jog now (laughs) yeah honestly and yeah has a little fight with david because david won't defend her from his mother she's being a little bitch yeah 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 so then on her run she sees this guy on a bike get hit by a car <laughs> and this guy is uh Azriel. we find out his name so he's the he's the angel who's gonna do some uh time magic shit but in this scene jenny doesn't know he's an angel yet so but she jumps in to help him and like is yelling at the guy in the car to get his insurance card and is gonna try to call the cops and stuff but the guy gets in his car and just drives away and Azrael like is like oh it's a stolen car that's why i left it, do- it doesn't matter anyway i'm not hurt <laughs> but she insists on walking with Azrael for a while to make sure he doesn't have a concussion which yeah, you know it, he's it, totally fine but <laughs> yeah and it's implied as because like i think uh yeah i don't remember if he gets told how her dad died and stuff but it is implied he has some like trauma about car crashes i think 
Oh, I actually didn't pick up on that, but I could definitely see that. I mean, I, I assumed that was why she was so, like, over-involved in it. That would but make sense, know. actually. Yeah. I kind of thought that was also just meant to show that, like, she's a good person. Yeah, she's compassionate. She, yeah. she wants to get involved with helping a stranger, you know? Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to bring up during this scene is I actually, I saw someone criticize this movie saying that Azriel is like a caricature of a gay guy, like an offensive caricature. And um, I'm like, what? He's not. He's, he's not. He's, he's just using like gay lingo. It's not like. Yeah. And the impression I get is that it's, that's just what the actor is like. Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's just being himself. <laughs> And yeah, I, I will say that the moment where it's like, uh, oh, you're living, I was like, okay, that's maybe a bit too much, but it's fine. It yeah, just it's felt like... a bit forced. Uh, but apart from, like, it, it wasn't really a problem of like him being that way. It was more of a, this is supposed to be funny, but it's not kind of thing. Yeah, and I think other than like that line, like part of why it works to me is it's not really meant to be the butt of any jokes right yeah like, it's just what it's like yeah he's not supposed to be funny because he's like that he just right, is like yeah, that exactly he's exactly. just a slightly flamboyant gay guy it's not even over yeah. the top <laughs> right yeah so and it's not the butt of any jokes it's just what he's no, like no, no. which is fine because yeah. people are like that flamboyant yeah, gay guys oh, exist <laughs> and it, yeah oh it makes me so mad like that, Me that too. So, say that you that you can't portray something because it's potentially a stereotype, and it's like context is important. Exactly. But I do but think you... it's fun to get like a, a gay angel. That's always fun. I agree. I like him. He's fun. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so they have this whole conversation while they're walking along where uh, Jenny opens up about some of her problems and complains about uh, the wedding and stuff. And Asriel's like, everybody loves a Christmas wedding. And she's like, I don't know about that. Uh, I've literally never heard of anyone doing that. I don't think at, I don't think anyone has ever done that in real life, but in every no, movie. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. only something that happens in movies. <laughs> it's like okay you can either have two celebrations or one really weird one it's yeah like, i don't know just like do it I, on a lot of time i don't <laughs> yeah everybody is doing their own stuff on christmas and christmas right. Eve. i feel like if you threw a wedding then everyone would be mad at you because you'd yeah. be ruining their other plans <laughs> right like or they just wouldn't show up they would be like I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not coming. I'm celebrating with my family like a normal person. Like Exactly. Like, we have saying? my family. My family has all these traditions, and you want me to drop all my family traditions to come to your wedding? Yeah, what <laughs> like, the fuck? Why would I bother? Right. But, yeah, so, yeah, Azriel says some stuff about how you shouldn't underestimate the power of love around Christmas, so it does have a little bit of that cheesy yeah, Christmas yeah. is special stuff, but... It's not really overemphasized other than like no, these I one think, or two lines. Yeah, and I, 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 again, like, I thought from the opening there would be more of that. Uh, again, what I've been saying about the first 20 minutes feeling like a worse movie than the rest of the movie in some ways. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, once it really gets into like what's actually going on here, it like basically doesn't come up again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one's like, Christmas is so magical and important at any other point in the movie. It's just right up here that they say that. Yeah. 
and you would think maybe that the whole like the whole reason she just gets the chance to do this would be like some sort of Christmas miracle, but it just feels like Ashfield was just like, well, I feel like doing this right now, so let's do this right now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe with his angel powers or something, he could tell that she would be open to it now, or... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe because she feels extra nostalgic around Christmas, it makes it easier to, to teleport her to the yeah. past and or alternate dimensions. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how angel magic works. They don't get into that at all. No. <laughs> But yeah, but then at at the end of this conversation, the final thing that Azriel says to her is like, when you wake up tomorrow, if you look around, you really look, you will see endless possibilities and the answers to your questions, I promise you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, if anyone ever said anything like that to me, I'd immediately be like, shit, I'm going to go to an alternate dimension, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> She's really bad at picking up what's going on in general. <laughs> She is so slow on the uptake. Oh, my God. (laughs) But I'm like, yeah, someone says, like, when you wake up tomorrow, everything will be different. I promise you. Like, there's some shit about to go down. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sure. But yeah, so so when she gets back home, David's already asleep. So she just goes to sleep. And then alternate dimension time. When she wakes up, there's a dog licking her. At first, she thinks it's her fiancé, David. But then she realizes Which... it's a dog. And Which then is it... concerning about his, like, like is he licking her in the face normally? I don't... Yeah, I don't know. It seems <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> By the way, it's like like the, the two men that have been in this movie so far have been really sexually aggressive. And it's a thing. And I don't, I don't know why. It's weird. That's a good like point. First, first, Vinny is like pressuring uh, uh, Gabby to have sex with him uh, in the like, uh, like in the past, and then uh, David is being like, "Oh, we can totally like make out even while my parents are in the next room." It's like weird. That is a good point, and that is weird. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know the explanation for that, but that is strange. But yeah, yeah but no, then yeah. But then adult Gabby is there also and is like yelling at Jenny to get up and get ready and take the dog out. And Jenny is just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> but so eventually Jenny does take the dog out for like a walk and runs into Azriel, who's also walking a different dog. And Jenny freaks out and is like, do you know me? Do you know who I am? Like, I don't. Do you remember us meeting? Like, where am I? What the fuck? <laughs> and she's like, I want to go home. I want to go home to Manhattan. And Asriel is like not actually explaining anything and is like, just, you know, things are going to be different there if you go there. But she's like insisting. So he's like, okay. So Asriel like teleports them to her old apartment. And Jenny knocks on the door uh... and uh, figures out basically from who answers the door, figures out that David in this world is already married and has two kids and doesn't know her at all. Yeah, this was one of the scenes I paused and just groaned at before I was like, okay, I'll just have to sit through this. Like, sit yeah. in that embarrassment. It's a rough just, one. Uh... It's like, man, you gotta, you gotta figure things out faster, girl. Yeah, yeah, honestly. <laughs> and or you need to be better at explaining things, Angel. <laughs> yeah. It's also like, like, David doesn't, like... He's a bit like, okay, what's going on? But like when she's like, oh, I'm just going to leave now, he just accepts it. And and I'm like, if some strange woman showed up at my door and like used my name and was like, 
Oh, what's going on? I would be like, who are you? Why are you here? What do you know? Like, but he starts like, oh, okay. Honestly, if that happened to me and they just left, I would just be like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 Mostly because I, I, I would be asking, why the fuck do you know my name? But yeah, I would. I would be asking questions at first, but then if they're like, okay, I'm just gonna leave now. Bye. I'd be like, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to deal with this anymore. Bye. <laughs> I mean that is a good point, <laughs> but he doesn't even really seem that like like curious about it. He's just like, "Don't upset my child," I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, weird scene. So then Azriel transports them back to the alleyway that they were in before, and finally explains everything that's going on. So Azriel is Jenny's guardian angel, and this is like an alternate world where Jenny is engaged to her true first love, who was Gabby. And in this world, Gabby and quote-unquote others are still alive, which others is just her dad. So her dad's yeah, also it's, still it's alive. In this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he says, like, oh, you've been running away from yourself all these years, and it brought you to me, and now I'm going to show you what could have been. And uh, he establishes that she has 48 hours in this world until the end of Christmas. So mm. this is on Christmas Eve, and she has until the end of Christmas Day to like explore this alternate reality basically yeah and he says like keep your heart open and good luck and then just pieces out (laughs) see ya he's like bye good luck so jenny goes to her dad's house where she's like super happy to see him still alive and kind of asks about her mom to see if she's still alive too because her mom died when she was really young and her dad's like, why are you asking? Why would you say that? Why would you ask about your mom? And she's like, okay, never mind. Never mind. Mom's still dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Honestly, the best better version would, would just have been to like go to two steps further till you're inside the house and can see for yourself and don't have to like accidentally upset your dad. <laughs> she says, oh, she just does not seem to care about saying stuff that will make sense to people in this alternate yeah, yeah, world, yeah. though. Not at all, yeah. <laughs> She's it... constantly saying stuff that, from other people's perspective, must just be real weird. Yeah, really wild shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, her dad's like, what are you doing here? Uh, you're going to be late for your meeting, because uh, I forgot to mention it in the previous scene, but... Uh, Jenny was saying that, or Gabby was telling Jenny, like, oh, we have a meeting with Father Kelly, so that's why you have to hurry up. But Jenny's just been wandering around the city. Yeah, just like, you know, doing weird stuff. <laughs> so her dad drives her back home to her apartment. Uh, and in this scene, again, she says when he offers to drive her home, he's like, she's like, back to Manhattan? She's not <laughs> quick on and the uptake. Like- it's like, honestly, you've already gotten this established. You've seen it for yourself that that's not your home. And you've gotten it explained. What like, more do really? you need at this point? Like, honestly. 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 So finally, like, Jenny changes into a nice outfit and goes to meet Gabby at the church. And we see that Gabby is practicing with a soloist. Like, Gabby seems to be the choir director for this church. Mm-hmm. And Jenny remembers some moments in their childhood together. And, like, claps for the song after it's done. But Gabby's, like, mad at her because she's late and they missed their meeting with Father Kelly. <laughs> but Father Kelly was willing to stay and wait, so they're going to have the meeting now. 
Uh, Jenny still keeps acting really lost and confused and saying things <laughs> wrong. And Gabby just thinks she has the jitters over this meeting. So she gets away mm. with that. Uh, when Jenny gets to the priest's office, she sees that there's this picture of her and Gabby as kids that he has. And Father Kelly talks about how uh, when he first started working there, Jenny was such a restless little girl and says like, oh, that she like still seems restless. And then Gabby comes in and Gabby has this whole speech to Father Kelly about how she wants Father Kelly to officiate their wedding. And she wants to have it here in the church because she and Jenny were baptized in this church and like confirmed there. And they clearly are an important part of this whole church community because Gabby's like mm. the choir director and stuff. Like this is an important thing to them. And yeah. And it also establishes uh, that like Gabby got pregnant and was um, thrown out by her family and that uh, Father Kelly has like been a really important like father figure in her life, I guess. Yes, yes. And they, they allude at this point to something that Father Kelly had advised her to do when mm. she was pregnant that is clearly emotionally charged, but neither of them say what it was. What exactly what it was, yeah. Yeah, they just allude to it. And mm. but yeah, Father Kelly basically says that he'll have to pray on this because he can't make a decision because his whole thing is still that like, oh, the church doesn't support gay marriage, though, so I can't do this because it's like the the policy of the church. Right. And Gabby's like, screw the policy of the church. She has this whole thing about how we feel welcome, but not equal. Mm. Uh, Jenny doesn't say much and just, but she does hold Gabby's hand supportively. So yeah. you can, she, they're starting to be a bit of a connection there. But Jenny, yeah, is, I was, I was surprised that like Gabby wasn't upset at her for not like, like being a part of this at all. <laughs> yeah, well, she does kind of snipe at her about it later, but in like a later scene. Oh, does he? I didn't even. Okay. Yeah, in the conver when they are having dinner with uh, Jenny's dad. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 We'll get to that though. But it's it's fun because Jenny's clearly in awe of how strong and determined Gabby is in that scene. I mean, Gabby is pretty cool. She is pretty cool. And again, it's really, this scene is really interesting to me because like, you know, I'm not particularly religious anymore, although I was mm. raised uh, devoutly. Uh, so to me, and I think to a lot of gay people, there would be this sense of like, well, if you're not welcome there and if the church doesn't support you, why would you want to get married in the church? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to go get married somewhere where people support you more? Yeah, But at the same time, I do think it's genuinely pretty cool and, like, admirable of them to be like, no, we want to be included in this community that's an important community to us. And we refuse yeah, and it, to just be set aside by it, you know? And I think, like, for me, it's a really interesting thing to see because I wasn't really, I mean, I, I was, I, I did do a lot of... Uh, semi-religious stuff as a kid but I was never really raised to be particularly religious um we do communions as well and I didn't do mine because already at that point I knew uh I didn't uh, like I wasn't uh, like religious um so it's really interesting to see a depiction of the sort of people who still have that connection and for whom it's really important because it's very easy to sit here and be like well, it's never like it doesn't mean anything to me. So why does it mean so much to some people? And, you know, just go get married in a courthouse. I don't get the big deal. But obviously it does mean a lot to some people. Um, and it's really interesting to like 
see those kind of people depicted in this uh, Nguyen story. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so then the next scene, uh, Gabby and Jenny are like driving home and Gabby stops at a store to pick up a few things. And while she's in the store, Vinny shows up, adult Vinny. And he like is a total asshole. He's hitting on Jenny, even though he knows she's with Gabby, says some gross shit about Gabby too. like proposes them having a threesome. Uh, when Gabby comes out, he keeps insulting Gabby to her face and Jennifer just straight up punches him. <laughs> yeah, this is the moment she learns like, like to be comfortable in this world. It's just like punching this dude in the face. like. Yeah, like that is clearly the moment she's all in on this alternate yeah. reality. She's like, don't you ever disrespect her again and like is flipping him off as he leaves. Yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's <laughs> a great scene. She's so proud of herself. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, I think it's, maybe that's that's when she remembers like who Gabby is to her in some way. Like the moment she hears her insulted and and like treated that way, it becomes like she goes back to that primal uh, place of caring about her and not wanting other people to talk badly about her and stuff. Whereas like up to this point, she has been like sort of disconnected from everything that's going on. Yeah, definitely. And uh, they have a really interesting conversation in the car after this. Jenny and Gabby do. Where Jenny's like, oh, I can't believe you ever had sex with him. And she's like, oh, guy was so young. And she says that after having sex with him is how she realized she was gay. So, uh, so that's fun. But Jenny keeps saying stuff in this whole scene that sounds so insane without the context of the yeah, fact that she's yeah. from an alternate dimension. <laughs> God. she's like oh oh you're so you're so strong and straightforward i really miss that about you and like oh my god i saw my dad today and oh, i can't believe you're really here oh i haven't had this treat in forever and Kathy's like what <laughs> are you saying <laughs> honestly no one in this movie reacts like enough to her like the insane things she says to be honest yeah, they're all just kind of like, I don't know why you're saying any of that, but okay. Yeah, let's just move on. Like, we have a plot to get to. <laughs> so they're on their way to Jenny's father's house for dinner, for like to have a Christmas Eve dinner together. And it's like this really nice, happy dinner. They tell the dad about the conversation they had with Father Kelly. And this is this is where Gabby gets kind of mad about the fact that Jenny wasn't really mm. involved because Jenny says, oh, you should have seen how she was standing up for herself. It was so badass. And Gabby's like, I was standing up for us. Mm. Like, this is it wasn't just a me standing up for myself thing. We're a unit here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which shows that, you know, Jenny is constantly, like at this point, getting more and more involved in what's going on here, but still kind yeah. of sees some distance. Mm -hmm. uh, from herself with it but and then uh when gabby leaves the room to like uh go get some more wine uh jennifer asks her dad if he's proud of her and specifically asks if he'd be more proud of her <laughs> if she was going to marry a rich man from a rich family <laughs> which is such a weird thing to ask it's such a weird thing to ask in this context <laughs> like, like one thing would be maybe, uh, would you be more proud of me if I, if I was marrying a man? Because then it would just sound like a, like, are you, like, completely okay with this, uh, like, uh, my sexuality and stuff. But, like, specifically a rich guy. It's yeah. just, like, incomprehensible. 
But uh, well, that's a sweetheart, so. Yeah, total credit to her dad, who is just like, well, sure, I'd be happy if you married a good, like, a rich, good man. But, mm. you know, Gabby's strong, and she's always taking care of you, and you two are always laughing. And honestly, you're so lucky to be with her. And it's, like, clear that uh, he's, like, totally fine with this, which is really mm. sweet. Yeah. And, and it's also, like, mentioned that, uh, like, basically... Um, that Gabby also considers uh, him her dad already, just because he was thrown out and he's the one who's really been taking care of them since then. Yeah, yeah. When Gabby comes back in, she, like, does a toast. And part of that is saying that, like, mm. how Jenny and her dad are her family, are mm. her, her real family. And, like, I can't wait to marry you and all this stuff. It's, it's really, really sweet. sweet. Yeah. And then there's a brief shot of, like, Father Kelly off at his own house watching the news where the news is talking about how the Pope told a gay guy that God made him that way and loves him like that. And he's like all thoughtful about it. And then back at Jenny's house, uh, at Jenny's dad's house, we have again, just some really fucking wild behavior from Jenny <laughs> in the context of this alternate world. <laughs> yeah. Which Jenny brings up that day when they were teenagers, when they fought. And, like, says she's... Wait, this must be totally random for everyone else, just, yeah. yeah. it must be completely out of nowhere. Like, why are you digging up <laughs> this ancient history to like, argue do you want about to get it again? Yeah, do you want to get in a fight about this right now? Like, why? What are you doing? Why? <laughs> but, it, but it starts out with her kind of half heart, like, saying that she's sorry she wasn't there for Gabby, but then she just turns it into a thing to, like, to rehash the old argument again. Yeah, being like, yeah. You have no idea how I felt when you just dismissed me that day. And, like, Gabby's like, what are you even saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, one of their, like, little backs and forth that I appreciated was that Jenny has this whole speech. And it's like, man, I've waited so long just to be true to you. And Gabby's like, you have to be true to yourself. That's mm. always been your problem. Yeah, yeah. But uh, then Gabby and talks I about... I was oh. I hadn't even noticed that they were having this like fight right in front uh, of her dad. So I'm just like, yeah, why? he's just right there. Like, don't have a like fight in front of your like parent. What are you doing? <laughs> like he was asleep when they started arguing, but it's still weird. Like he fell asleep on the chair that he was sitting yeah, on. Yeah, but, but like, wait till it, you get home. Honestly. Wait to wait to get home. But yeah, but Gabby also goes into how she was hurt by all that, being like, you know. Uh, you don't know how I felt with the only person I ever loved pretending I didn't exist. And like, mm. you turned your back on me and Jenny's like, yeah, but you still left. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah. But, and I came back. So we moved on from this. Why? <laughs> again, I'm on, I'm a guy beside like throughout this, honestly. Yeah. And then like, yeah, again, you too. get, you get, you get like the feelings in it and it's like, you can see both sides and all, but I'm just like, but it's like, oh, Jenny, yeah, she's come right. on. Yeah. Especially because, yeah, Jenny, Jenny at this point is like, but why him? Like, why Vinny? And <laughs> Gabby's like, we can't have our own life if you keep mi mentioning Vinny as if he matters. Yeah, like, 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 why do you keep like bringing him up? And it's like 20 years ago. Yeah. I slept with a guy once in high school that at this point is 20 years ago, and we've been engaged now for a long yeah. time. And why are yeah, you bringing yeah. that up? <laughs> it's an absolutely insane thing to bring up in that context. Yeah, and I mean, Gabby must just like feel like. Like Jenny just wants to get in a fight right now because they ran into Winnie or something. Yeah, yeah. Like that must be how she's uh, like uh, perceiving this conversation. 
It really, yeah. But, and then the dad wakes up at this point and interrupts their fight to be like, you know, it's late. It's probably time you guys went home. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, it's basically also him saying, like, please don't have this fight in front of me. Exactly. And, like, yeah, when Jenny, like, hugs him and says goodbye and is like, man, I don't want to leave you. He's like, go, go talk to her. <laughs> Yeah. Go talk to your fiance and yeah. resolve this argument. It's yeah. insane. <laughs> so then, so then, back at their apartment, Gabby goes and grabs the the letter that Jenny had sent her all those years ago. Like she's kept it this whole time, and makes mm. Jenny read it out loud. And like Jenny's clearly upset to be reading these words that she had written, which are all really mean. Like, never talk to me again. Like, if you see me, just pretend you don't me. know me. Yeah, all this stuff. And finally, Jenny's like, well, I shouldn't have written that. And Gabby's like, but you wrote it and you were honest. And, you know, we've moved on past it now. I, like, respected your wishes until I couldn't anymore. And then we're back together now and it's fine. And she has this whole thing of, like, that's why we're perfect together. Because we both know the worst about each other. But we're still okay. Mm. Like, it's fine. Like, yeah, we've hurt each other in the past. But and come back stronger. A long time in the past, too. And yeah. yeah. And so Gabby tries to get Jenny to go to bed, and Jenny says she'll just be a minute. So Jenny kind of just sits there in her feelings for a bit. Mm. (laughs) She's like, just gotta sit here in the living room and be emotional. Mood. Uh, But yeah, yeah. We. I mean, we've all been there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then she finally does go to bed with with Gabby, and is like clearly at this point has gotten past her own issues that she's been holding on to for all these years and is more fully present with it. So this is where, you know, there's, there's a sex scene, of course. And Inters- barely. Yeah. Interspersed. It's barely with- a sex scene. It, I know. Yeah. It's barely a sex scene, more like a makeout scene, but you know, yeah, the implication yeah, was- is there. Yeah, I was really shocked when I saw the rating of this movie because I was like, there's nothing in here. Well, you know. It's like, yeah, gay, I, I, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, yeah, it's just like me being European and getting shocked, I guess. Also, they just rate anything that's gay more harshly. Yeah, yeah. So. But I, I, again, I don't think that really happens here. I don't know. Not anymore, hmm. I guess. But I don't ratings even... isn't really a big deal here. What is it rated? I don't think I even noticed. Oh, I um, I, f- I think it was like. Um, wait a minute. Are we gonna have to look this up now? Yeah, <laughs> now I'm curious. Excuse my typing sounds. <laughs> no, what's the age rating? Not what's the review rating. This is the wrong movie I'm on. Okay. That would make it tougher. Yeah. Wouldn't really give you the answer any, at any rate. Nope. Why do, where would it say this? Oh, oh, TVMA. So that's like the... Yeah, may not be suitable for ages 17 and under. It's like... Yeah, that's TV... Says. TVMA is the TV rating equivalent of an R rating for a, for a like theatrical movie. So that's a lot. That is very excessive. Yeah. <laughs> like a like a TV 14, I could see maybe, but it's definitely not MA. 
like enough like i mean they swear a few times and they make out like like ah there's nothing in here i guess it could maybe be the swearing how many times do they say the word fuck specifically do they say it yeah i I don't know i think so okay that might be it then (laughs) yeah because it's just like like nothing of like like that's no no like really even nudity uh, yeah yeah they're like yeah at most they're in their underwear (laughs) yeah but anyway back to the scene it's like they're making out and it's like interspersed with some flashbacks of when they were teens and there's like this sort of recurring sweet thing where jenny like rubs gabby's arm that gabby's Mm. always really liked to helps her sleep and stuff and Uh, Jenny has this whole speech about how like I love how bold you are and how brave you are and how you you are and you're more than a best friend to me which again is a really weird thing to say to your fiance I think she's figured out that she's more than a best friend to you (laughs) I mean hopefully (laughs) at this point (laughs) yeah like uh, just the girls being pals you know just uh, marrying your best friend they live together. They have a dog together. They sleep in the same no, bed. No, li- listen. Listen, like, girls are just marrying girls because they're, they're each other's best friends. You don't understand. You're right, you're right. It's just girls being pals. It's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, she ends She ends this whole speech with, like, and we're family, which is sweet. Yeah. And it's like, we've always been Gabby and Jenny. But, so when when Jenny wakes up the next morning, Gabby isn't there. Uh, but there's a note that says that Father Kelly called her to come into the church early. So then Jenny goes to Christmas Mass with her dad. And Gabby's already there. Because, you know, she's the choir director. So it makes sense. Mm. But mm. Then Father Kelly starts the Mass with quoting one of the verses that's often cited by Christians as, like, proof that being gay is a sin. And uh, after he quotes that verse, he's like, this is a passage... Uh, that has been like one of the most misused passages yeah. in the Bible. And this passage has a direct correlation to the rise of gay Catholic suicides. And this is a travesty that needs to stop. So like, we can't change yesterday, but today matters. And he like- Hashtag vote priest. Yeah. He keeps he keep shouting like, love is love. Love <laughs> is love. <laughs> oh. It's really cheesy. Some people yeah. get up and walk out. Because they like can't accept. Which gay I, like people. I get the dramatic like like I get the dramatic incense in here and what it's like the storytelling thing, but I'm also like no one would actually do this. They would just like quietly choose not to come to this church again. Like yes, definitely they wouldn't just walk out. No, no in sp- the middle of a sermon. No. Sp- speaking of things that are dramatic that would not actually fly in real life, he then straight up calls up all the gay people in his. <laughs> congregation uh, by name yeah and i'm like, like please don't call it sensitive to me this way yeah like i don't like, want this gosh it's just like imagine just sitting there at church and your priest like calls you up for like with the gay people yeah like no Being like and here's a complete list of all the gays in our congregation <laughs> 
Oh, God. Please come up to the altar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, like, that sort of thing I could maybe see, because, like, the point of him calling everyone up is he gives them all communion, and he's like, yeah, this yeah, is the he... first communion offering for same-sex couples offered at this church, so it's like a symbolic thing. Which Yeah, yeah. Again, I could see as being powerful and like a good thing and important, but only if he had talked to everyone ahead of time and made sure they were all okay. Which he with hasn't this. because because uh, uh, Jenny doesn't know about it. Jenny does not know about it. <laughs> and she's like like sitting there like what's no what's going on like what yeah she's like what the fuck <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that that's very ridiculous to me. But like, it's like sweet mm. and it's a good dramatic moment. But again, just thinking yeah, about yeah, the yeah. real life implications of that, like you don't want to be outed by your priest in front of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to assume that these are the ones that like everyone who knows them know that they are gay and stuff, and like they're like couples, all of them, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's not like like it's not, it's not like single people, but it's still like like I don't want the spotlight on me, like. Even, well, yeah, even if it wasn't be, for, like for being uh, gay or whatever, I wouldn't want to be called up this way. Well, and it's just even even in that sort of circumstance, even if you're casually out to like everyone you know, it would still be like, okay, so you're just outing me to like a bunch of strangers also. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know everyone in this congregation personally, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway... But, but then yeah, it works symbolically. Like it, it shows like like that. Okay, this uh, priest uh, Father Kelly has like he's moved past his reservations and stuff. Yes, yes, that's the important thing that establishes. And then, mm. like as if that wasn't enough of a surprise, <laughs> time for a wedding <laughs> in the middle of a like a, like a Christmas service. What? Yeah, it's just like in the middle of mass. You're gonna get yeah. married now. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> and again, Jenny is like, what the fuck is happening? Because <laughs> the yeah. priest is like, okay, Gabby and Jenny, you're going to get married now. And uh, so when the, he eventually gets to the, like, uh, asking Jenny to say I do, she, like, pauses for a while. Because, again, she's very lost in this. She thinks about David. She looks at her dad in the audience. But mm. eventually she does say I do. And so the wedding continues. Uh, By the way, I, f- I feel like the, the 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 priest is the best actor in this movie. Oh yeah, he's he's charming. Yeah, he's and, a good... like he feels natural in a way. Yeah, like it's not yeah. it's not that the acting is bad in general. It's just like he feels more natural in a way. In yeah, his line delivery. I can definitely see that. I just have in my notes about the movie here at this point. I just have a line that says, uh, "Catholic priests are so fancy." fancy robes and they're doing that whole like ritual thing with like the water and the scepter or whatever i'm like this is so fancy yeah it's really extra which is very (laughs) foreign to me as uh someone who was raised mormon because mormonism is an extremely unfancy religion do you do uh like mormon priests wear anything like a uniform or oh no not at all just like a normal suit. Huh. Just a, just a. I mean, uh, in in like a Danish church, like a- apparently technically they're not supposed to wear something special, but what they're wearing is just like what was fashionable in like the 1600s or something. Oh like, yeah, wearing, in... like a, a black robe and like a like special uh, like a collar. Yeah, in Mormonism, like even the 
head of the church, even like the prophet, just wears a suit, just a huh. just a normal well, suit, that's like boring. that you would wear to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is some. There are like special clothes that you have to wear specifically in temples, in like Mormon mm. temples, but those are just like white jumpsuits it's just because it all has to be white if you're in the temple it's again huh. it's not very fancy though it's just like really normal looking just a white jumpsuit so yeah <laughs> yeah i Mormon feel, I feel like you should fancy. like yeah i feel like if you're going to like do the whole religion thing like why not go full in on the aesthetic honestly yeah yeah i will say that the architecture of temples is fancy Mm, yeah. Although the architecture of just normal like meeting houses, just churches where people hold church, so normal and unfancy and boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and cookie cutter, they're all exactly the same. <laughs> but uh, isn't that like uh, isn't a lot of uh, American churches that way? That's true, but a lot of other Protestant sects are yeah pretty normal, but they'll usually have like maybe a spire or some stained glass mm. somewhere sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Because Mormons most don't of even ours do that. Like, yeah, most of our churches are like at least a hundred years old. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway. Mormonism isn't that old. <laughs> I mean, no. it's more than a hundred years old, but <laughs> yeah, not yeah, by yeah. much. <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> no. So. Uh, after this, the dad stands up and, like, shouts, yeah, after the wedding. And then they go to the reception. And for the reception, Gabby puts on this fancy white jumpsuit. And, uh, again, much fancier than the white jumpsuits Mormons wear in temples. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would hope so for her wedding. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, then Jenny's like, oh, it's a shame I couldn't wear a dress, though. But Gabby's brought a dress for her that's this fancy red dress and Which doesn't uh, seem like like a wedding dress but i mean no but you it is you. but it is pretty sexy so yeah it is sexy yeah. but yeah we find out that gabby had planned the whole surprise wedding thing with father kelly and jenny's dad so it was only a surprise to jenny <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i don't know if i would like that personally but <laughs> No, I, I would definitely not like that. <laughs> I don't want, I wouldn't want it at all. But no. anyway. So yeah, then she seems happy the, with it. Yeah, she seems fine with it. So they go to the reception and it's all very nice. Gabby's brother is there and gives a speech and like says some stuff about how their parents need some time. and. Uh, it's like, like it's been 20 years, honestly. Yeah, how much more honest, time do they how, need? How much more time? But yeah. yeah, he says, like, I don't know what love is, but you two obviously do. So, like, I hope you have a long, happy life. And yeah, Jenny's it's dad. Nice, it's nice that he's here. That he's there. Like. Yeah, it's nice that she has someone from her birth family yeah, exactly. that's there. Yeah. Yeah, Jenny's dad also gives a speech. and is like, to love and to all the lucky ones who find it. And there's an, but Gabby gives a little bit of a speech. And there's, like, an ominous echo that happens when she <laughs> says that she'll remember all the people who came here to support them till the day I die. And it's like... Uh, the day all, the echoes in this, all the echoes in this movie are so corny and I hate it. <laughs> They're so funny to me. <laughs> anyway, yeah, then Asriel... because they're really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Then Asriel shows up and Jenny leaves the reception to go talk to him. And he's like, see, a Christmas wedding is kind of nice. And Jenny's like, I'm not leaving. I don't want to leave. I'm here now. And uh 
like Azriel, when he's talking, he insists that this isn't real and that in her real world, she has like an in- intended life to live. And, and it's like, what's what's real? I mean, if if like this is clearly empirically real, like she's experiencing it, experiencing it. So like it's clearly real in that sense. It's just like you can't define reality like that. It's true. Which and Jenny insists that it's real to her because like yeah, she's living it, she's experiencing yeah. it, so it's real to her. Yeah. And then this is where we get to the big reveal that is the oh, thing in this movie that I'm like, why? <sighs> why did you do yeah. this? It was no. unnecessary. It was. It's just bad. As- Asriel reveals that he is the deceased child of Gabby and Vinny. Ah, <laughs> uh, which like that gave us so many questions about how angels work, and it's just like bad. And just like <laughs> just let him be an angel. It doesn't have to be a twist. It doesn't have to be her fucking dead son. Like fuck off. It's just it's so uh, weird. Like what are you even supposed to do with that? Yeah, with that information, I don't know how to feel. I don't know what to do. Like, it's just like, is every angel in this universe, like, a, like a stillborn I, child? I don't know. Yeah, that's the, the one thing I will give it credit for was at the first, I thought it was maybe even worse because, uh, like, because they've been so sketchy about what happened with her pregnancy up to this point. Like, it's implied that maybe she might have gotten an abortion. And if mm. he had been her aborted child, that would be even worse. That's true. At yeah, least I didn't even think about that. When yeah. it, that's what I thought it was the first time I watched it. And I was like, yeah. no, oh. no, no. But then eventually, yeah, eventually it is revealed that she uh, had a stillborn. So yeah. it wasn't an abortion. So I was like, oh, thank goodness it wasn't it. Thank goodness it wasn't an aborted child. Yeah, At least it was an angel. That would have been bad. Yeah. That would have been way worse. But it's yeah. still bad. It's, it's still it, bad. I was also... Like he he introduces himself himself as a Asriel uh, a Gabby son. So at first I was like, why does he have a, like a, 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 first of all, why does he have a surname? Second of all, of all why is it a, 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 a patronymic surname? Like, do angels procreate? Do angels fuck? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I was like, no. No, he's Gabby's, Gabby's son. Son. It's like fuck off, movie. <laughs> I don't need this. We didn't need this. <laughs> no. Stop it. You thought you were being clever, but you were not being clever. Okay. I just I just wrote in my notes, I just wrote, why? Bad move. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't do that. <laughs> and again, it's like 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 again, it's every angel in this universe just dead people. It's like I don't understand. To some extent, that part of it doesn't bother me necessarily, because that actually is uh, in Mormonism. That is what angels are. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, well, or like dead people, or people who haven't been born yet. Like right. angels in Mormon mythology are just human spirits, but in different stages of their existence. Right. Right. So right. that's not weird to me, but I don't think that's the Catholic understanding of what angels are. No, so I would not think so. I'm it's, pretty sure, like, it's... These are the specific ones that exist. It's really know? weird in a Catholic setting. Yeah. I don't I don't know, man. It's just a weird move. Just a it's weird like, why, bad why, move. Why does, he, why does he even need to be tied into her in that way? It's like, the whole point of this is not, like, about her in, even. It's about, like... It's about Jenny's happiness, and it's about... 
like, yeah, self-actualization, I guess. It's like, why does it need to tie into each other this way? It doesn't improve anything. It doesn't, it doesn't tell you anything you didn't already know. It's just, yeah, it, mm. it adds, it adds nothing to the movie in terms of plot or theme or anything. It does not improve the film. It's just a bad decision. It just feels like we wanted to have a twist. Yeah. And this is what we could do. And it's like a twist needs to be something that uh, that makes thing like the things that came before it make more sense. In retrospect, yeah. it needs to be something that's actually tied in in a good way. It, it can't just be, oh, here's something that will shock the audience. It's like, fuck off. Honestly. Anyway, <sighs> moving on. So he tells... Uh, Jenny that she has until the end of the night to make peace and say goodbye and when Azriel leaves then David appears in the hallway and is offering his hand to Jenny being like Jennifer come but then Gabby shows up on the other side and is also calling for Jenny uh, but Jenny returns to the wedding with Gabby and it like has this whole thing with like I can't lose you again and again saying stuff that's weird in context, I, mean, I, guess, I, I guess Jenny would assume she meant like I lost you when you like when we were fighting and you went out west. I guess. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, Gabby's just like I'm not going anywhere. It's our wedding day. Yeah, because <laughs> of course. But I would just like I I mean the whole Asheville thing is also just like I mean if this was the whole thing, it would just be like this is just more cruel than not showing her. Yeah. Like, it's a really, really cruel thing to do to show someone this is the life you could have had, but your choices meant this is what isn't what happened. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, so then when they're back at their house after the wedding, Jenny, like, tries to keep Gabby awake because she doesn't want the night to end. And Gabby mm. is like, we'll always have tomorrow. But Jenny's like, yeah, but tomorrow becomes yesterday. And Jenny, like, tries to stay awake for a while, like, watching Gabby sleep. But eventually she also falls asleep. And when she wakes up, she thinks the dog is licking her, but it's her fiancé. <laughs> it's the Again, opposite. What's his, te- what, what's his technique? I don't understand. Just what is he doing? He must just give some really sloppy kisses. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, that doesn't sound super nice, honestly. But it's the day after her fight with David's parents. So no time has passed back in her original timeline. And Mm. uh, David apologizes to her for not having been more supportive and says he'll do whatever she wants for the wedding. Uh, Jennifer tells him to get dressed. Is like, okay, then get dressed and go on a ride with me if you'll do anything. So they go to the church in Queens where she and Gabby had gotten married. And... uh, while they're in Queens, David says some shitty rich guy's shit about it being like a different yeah. world, which makes Jenny mad. And then she talks to the church clerk there, finds out that Father Kelly isn't there, and uh, asks for info on Gabby. Uh, but the picture of her and Gabby as kids is still in the office there. So this is when we finally find out the full story of what happened to Gabby, which is that when she was pregnant and disowned by her parents... Father Kelly counseled her to keep the baby and arranged for her to move to a home for single mothers, quote unquote, out west somewhere to have her baby. And uh, she eventually gave birth to a stillborn and then uh, basically committed suicide by stepping into traffic. So and it's pretty it's, rough. It's, it's worded in a really weird way, though. It's like. Oh, uh, on Lucas said she uh, like looked like she didn't watch where she was going or something, and it's like, 
Yeah, it's framed as an accident. I yeah, think, but it... I think part of that is because of the Catholic context mm, of it, because yeah, right, right, it's right. like a really major sin in Catholicism yeah. to commit suicide. So they would have reason for wanting to believe it was an accident rather than suicide, so that they could yeah, still like give her the proper religious burial and yeah, all burial, that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I hadn't thought of that. That makes sense. It's implied that it probably was actually suicide, but no one yeah. wants to acknowledge it, that it was suicide. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we also find out that Father Kelly was removed from the ministry for officiating a bunch of same-sex marriages. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, did he just like have this revelation way earlier in this universe? I guess he Was that caused by Gabby dying, I guess? I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, but... We find out he even performed the wedding for this like church clerk and her wife. So <laughs> I don't Which know. Which raises some questions about why she's there if he's yeah. been thrown out. Yeah, I don't know, man. But anyway, so, anyway. <laughs> so then Jennifer tells David that Gabby was her first love, but reassures him that she loves him too. But like as they're leaving the church, she sees Asriel sitting in the pews. So she tells uh, David that she needs a minute. And uh, David can't see Asriel there, so he thinks she's just going to sit in the church and, like, I don't know, pray or something. Yeah. <laughs> but she says, like, I need guidance. And Asriel's like, Jennifer, are you happy? And she's like, well, it's hard to be right now, but I can be. So he, uh, it's interesting to me because it is implied that she could be happy in her original world. Mm. Yeah, and it's. I think what's interesting uh, especially is that in the intro uh like the impression you get of David is super negative. Again, I was really annoyed with him for not standing up for her and just like letting his mom be an asshole to her and stuff. And but then, uh, like uh, the way he's betrayed once he gets back to this universe is a lot more sympathetic. Even with his like rich guy comment, he's like really supportive of her and like uh, like promising to do better and stuff. Um, so I think it's interesting that they very. Uh, like explicitly say oh he's not actually that bad of a guy it's true and they make it pretty clear throughout that uh jenny does genuinely love him mm -hmm. like he's not just a beard or not just forcing right. herself to yeah. be with a man like she clearly yeah, is bisexual and actually yeah, in love yeah, with yeah, david yeah. yeah because when i heard about this movie like the premise of it i for sure thought it was like about uh you know, a, a, a repressed lesbian who was with a man uh, she didn't really want to be with. Uh, so it was interesting to see that, like, she's bisexual. And it even seems like he actually knows that she is, like, because he asks her uh, after they've talked to, to the church lady about uh, about Gabby, like, do I need to be worried? So, like, and she tells him, like, oh, she was my first love. Which implies to me that, like, one, he knows to, quote-unquote, be worried because he knows that she's into women as well. And two, he doesn't really have that much of a reaction to her saying that, like, a woman was her first love. So it seems like he does know already. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's interesting that they made that decision to show mm. it that way. Uh, but yeah, yeah because so... it makes it a lot more complex, like, the choice. Oh, yeah. Way, because... Oh, yeah. I feel like I feel like it's kind of cool that they did it that way, but I'll mm. I'll get into that more after we've uh, yeah, yeah, finished yeah. the recap. But uh, so Asriel gives her one final choice here, which is that if she chooses to right now, he can send her back in time to any point in her life, 
so that she can like redo all of her life decisions, which could potentially like, depending on how far back she goes, make it so that Asriel ceases to exist because he's <laughs> Gabby's dead like baby. A, like it feels like a bad, like moral choice in a game. Yeah, it really does. But again, but like, they don't really like, there's no they weight don't commit behind to it. it. There's no weight behind it. Yeah. Cause Asriel's like, that's fine though. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I'll cease to exist, but it's whatever. <laughs> that doesn't yeah, bother I, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother me. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So. Just so you know, you know, you won't see me again. She's, if anything, she's more concerned about David, which, uh, mm. you know, Azrael's just like, you've seen for yourself that he'll be fine. Because, again, he yeah. had a different family in the other timeline. So it's not like she's his only chance at love. Right. But, but yeah. Eventually, Azrael's like, only you have the dis- power to decide your fate. Trust in your heart and it'll lead the way. So she decides to go back in time. And she knows exactly when and where she wants to go back. And then this part is really cheesy. But yeah. in order to travel back in time, she has to repeat these words that Azrael tells to her, which are, love deeply, trust your heart, and be brave. And she's like crying when she says it. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it, it, I mean, like a movie like this does need its like cheesy moment. It's fine. Yeah, the cheesiness doesn't bother me. I just find it amusing. But yeah. anyway, so now it's time for a third timeline, baby. Yeah, because you would think she would just go back to the other alternate world, but no, she goes back far enough in time to stop the fight when they were teenagers from ever happening. So in this timeline, they're never going to have that big catastrophic fight. And also, Gabby never sleeps with Vinny at all. So she never gets pregnant and never gets disowned by her family. And yeah. Yeah, so it's a completely new timeline. I mean, she might, still, she might still get disowned by her family for being oh, gay. Oh, that's true. But not for being pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, one of you, them. You know, yeah. Uh, pros and cons. But yeah, so yeah. basically in this version, Jenny chooses to be patient instead of just freaking out on the phone. <laughs> And it's like, I don't want to say what I have to say over the phone because that was going to be the day she was going to confess her love to Gabby. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. this time, Gabby, who's been thrown off by Jenny suddenly being really understanding, like, chooses not to have sex with Vinny and goes over to Jenny's house instead. And Jenny confesses to her and they kiss. So in this timeline, they get together as teenagers and they decorate the tree together and the dad brings them cookies and Jenny talks about how she sees them having a big Christmas wedding. Yeah. I, and I'll be wearing a long red dress. Oh, <laughs> it's like if I if I were like Gabby in this, I would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Please don't talk about getting married. We've been like talking about dating for like five seconds. What are you doing? We just kissed for the first time. Yeah. It's what weird. the fuck? Well, it just goes to show that in any timeline, Jenny is dedicated to saying weird shit that doesn't make <laughs> sense without context. Oh. <laughs> also, also, Asriel is an ornament on the tree now. Yes. No, 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 no. no. Oh, it's so bad. It's There's so bad. a tree ornament that looks like Asriel. <laughs> oh. I, I have you seen those like like uh, like like Christmas ornaments that's like uh, like uh, horny gay uh, shit? Yeah, that that is one of those for sure. Yeah. <laughs> weird. Oh. Anyway, that's the end. And it's a weird choice. Just as a as a random side note, the end credit song is "I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day," which was always 
my personal favorite Christmas hymn growing up. Hmm. So I actually didn't notice it was that at first, though, because it has a completely different melody. Like they're singing it with a completely different melody from the traditional one. But like That's if you pay weird. attention to the words, it's I heard the bells on Christmas Day. So anyway, huh. random fun fact. Yeah. But mm-hmm. anyway, so I again, it's like kind of a movie that's of dubious quality, but it takes some big swings, some of which hit and some of which are big misses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and again, I, I think it's worthwhile because it has this like very interesting like there's a lot of discussion of like church policy and stuff like that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, which I think makes up for, for, for some of the I mean, bad lines and bad line delivery in some places and like dubious choices and stuff. I think there's also some really cool and interesting stuff about it that makes it interesting in the context Mm. of uh, both gay movies and Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. Because some of the things that I noticed, so this is me getting into my full uh, literary analysis mode, which is just for one... For one thing, the like all the weird alternate reality premise means that they basically skip all the coming out parts of the story. Yeah, that's true. Just all together. They skip any of that. Like at any point when it's relevant, people just already know because we've skipped past all those parts in time where yeah, yeah, anyone yeah. had to come out of the closet, which I think is interesting. But also like so I've described this movie before as a reverse It's a Wonderful Life. I don't know mm. if you've ever seen It's a Wonderful Life. I actually haven't. It's a really I, I know, famous... I know the premise, but yeah. Yeah. So like the basic premise of it is that it's, yeah, a guy has his guardian angel come and show him an alternate world in which he's dead and doesn't exist to show him how much worse everyone would be without him around. Like how much worse the world would be without him in it. And this movie is about an angel showing a lady how much better her life would be if someone else was still in it. So it's yeah. kind of like this like reversal of it. But also I, I actually I actually think before you started talking about it that like my primary reference point for this sort of plot was like a cartoon that was like ripping off like uh it's a wonderful life. Oh ever uh, yeah there's so many versions of it that people Like I, like a lot of like honestly a lot of like American like uh cultural uh like media tropes uh references to to classic movies or whatever it's just like i've seen some cartoon do a ripoff out of it it's like yeah yeah well it's a wonderful life uh occupies an interesting position in american culture because it like for so long like because of certain copyright issues it was Mm. a movie that always got shown on tv at certain parts right. of the year. Right. And it wasn't even actually that popular when it initially became out, but it became a really famous movie just because of showing on TV as often as it did. It became yeah, really yeah. highly tied, like a traditional movie, like in a big way because of that. But That's I think, interesting. Uh, like, It's a Wonderful Life in particular, and also like most movies that have any sort of, uh, we're going to show you an alternate reality where it's different sort of thing, is like kind like the trope, the way it usually plays out is kind of an inherently conservative trope because the point of it is almost always to learn to be happy with the life that you already have. Like after having mm. seen 
whatever else was going on, you choose to return home and to be okay with what you have because you've realized the importance of who you are and the things that you have already and the people yeah, in your life already. Yeah, with yeah, what a, you have. And yeah. Like, uh, like not that like being too obsessed with like the grass always being green or something else, somewhere else and stuff like that. Yeah. And so uh, in a way, it's like almost kind of weird to watch this movie where she chooses to go to an alternate world and erase her original existence because that's mm. like not what we're trained by this trope to expect. But in a mm. way that kind of makes it almost like a really interesting, like radically queer narrative because that's true. There's that inherent part of any sort of queer identity where you are directly choosing to go against whatever was expected for your life. So yeah, like whatever yeah, yeah. was the intended path for your life to live, you're like, no, thank you. I'm going to go live this other way instead. And like, so it's like a really sort of meaningful twist on that trope for yeah. being in a gay movie. Like it adds a lot to it. Yeah. Thematically. I think that was also why I assumed it would be about someone who was, you know, repressed in this way, uh, because then it would be like, you know, about being true to yourself and whatever. Um, so it's yeah. interesting that it didn't do that. Uh, yeah, that's why that was that was what I meant when I said that I think it actually adds a lot to it that Jenny is mm. specifically bisexual and mm. is genuinely in love with David because it's, yeah. it makes it a clear choice not something that yeah, like, real she has choice. to do yeah. because she has to be true to herself and it's the only real authentic mm -hmm. option it's because yeah it's a real choice and also it's kind of subverts the like quote-unquote expectation or like that that by women can or should choose the like easier path of being with a man yeah, yeah like it goes directly against that because she's choosing to go be with a woman yeah, I think in terms of her as a bisexual character, there's a lot of really uh, progressive stuff in here, despite the fact it's never made it explicit that that's what she is, uh, like, as an identity term or anything. But it is, yeah. you know, by her actions, it's made very clear. Yeah. And I think it, the way it does that is very, um, yeah, as I say, progressive. Definitely. And then also, yeah, my final thought on it was also that uh, it's interesting because it is kind of a common gay experience i think just anecdotally just from people i've spoken to i think especially for women who love women mm. it's a common experience to have early on in your life that sort of intense semi-romantic friendship with someone that ends up uh ending catastrophically <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think i think most of the uh like the most of the queer women I I know have that experience. To yeah, some that's what I'm saying. It's not not. I mean, not always catastrophic uh, endings, but always like not going into a relationship in the end. Yeah, well, I think and just a lot of, well, I don't know. Personally, I had a friendship like that in college, not in high school, mm. <laughs> which mm. is the only friendship I've had that instead of just petering out, ended like really horribly. So, mm. like, yeah, I don't know. I think. Yeah, anyway, so it's it's sort of a relatable experience to then have that experience in your past and to always sort of be wondering on some level what would have happened with that 
if like I could go yeah, back in yeah. time and I could do that over again with the self-knowledge and confidence that I have now being like mm. out and more comfortable with who I am and stuff. Like how I mean, would that have been different? I think generally that's a pretty common thing for, for like queer people to wonder about like how could my life have been different if I was quote unquote more true to myself earlier in my life? Exactly. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, definitely like as, as a trans person, that's definitely also something that I relate to. Yeah, yeah. So I just think it's cool that like this movie is essentially based around finding out the actual answer to that question, like actually being mm. able to go back and see what would happen if you could do yeah. if you could do that. So yeah, I just think that's cool. But also, I mean, not that I think it's, I mean, I don't think it should be taken that seriously, but uh, I mean, does that then apply, imply, I mean, because I think that's the sort of thought process that you can like sort of lose yourself in. And I don't think it's necessarily healthy to obsess over. Um, yeah. So it's interesting that, I mean, again, I don't think it's a problem, but it's interesting to see it the way it sort of indulges in that desire. Definitely. And I don't think it's necessarily a super healthy thing to dwell on in real life, like to that extent. But being able to explore that kind of question in fiction this way, in this mm, like deeply mm. fictional way, is I think kind of a cool thing to be able to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I just I I personally. I'm just imagining like like a, a like interactive medium doing something like that. That would could be really cool. Oh, that would be really cool in an interactive like medium. a visual novel or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, personally, even though I do like have those questions myself for my own life, like. I wouldn't actually want to go back in time. Like, no thanks, I'm good here. Yeah, it's like, well, then I would have to relive all this shit. Exactly. That I got through. No, thank you. Yeah. And it's also a question of like, well, how does this work logistically? Because you're thrown back into a teenager's body. Does this mean you also have a teenager's reasoning ability and a teenager's like uh, emotional maturity, even though you have all these memories? Yeah, yeah. That's why in fiction, fiction, Hmm? you don't have to worry about those logistics, so it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I don't want to actually do that. No, but I just, I always love any sort of story that can take sort of a mystical or magical or like speculative fiction element and use it in really interesting metaphorical and thematic ways to like Mm. explore elements of like the queer experience but yeah. also while actually being also directly and canonically about queer people. Yeah, it, it reminds me a bit of uh, In the Flesh in that way. Yes, exactly. In the Flesh, uh, Black Sails. Are so, Black Sails mm-hmm. isn't magic, but it is kind of genre fiction, at least. Right, but yeah. I like anything like that that can, yeah, that can really use uh, the metaphorical power of fiction really powerfully while also being literal representation. I think that's, I always like that sort of thing, so. And yeah, again, as you said, I think this speaks very much to like the inner lives of of, of queer people in a way, um, because it is like a, a sort of thought process a lot of us like go through. Um, and I, I, I mean, that's always the thing with like quote unquote representation that, um, Often what people end up talking about is just like the physical presence of someone of a certain identity. Uh, and it's, um, and I mean, that's great and all, but at the end of the day, isn't the lived and like the, the experience of being 
uh, a certain kind of person more important to to explore in a way. Because just the fact that, okay, this movie has a gay character, or it has a trans character, or a bi character, or whatever. I mean, if that's not explored in any meaningful way, it doesn't have the sort of meaning it has when you actually goes into this sort of thing that really speaks to certain experiences. Oh, I absolutely agree. I think there's a lot of people who, yeah, want representation and they'll say things like, oh, well, I want characters that are gay, but they just happen to be gay. It's not like important to the story. And Mm. while I'm somewhat sympathetic to that, also just personally, I want it to be important to the story. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, honestly, I think people who say that do as well. I I just don't think they know how to express what they actually mean, which I think what they mean is I want genre fiction with with gay characters. I want stories that's not just like censored about uh, romantic relationships or coming out or any of these typical uh, stories. I want, you know, the fantasy fiction I'm reading anyway or or the sci-fi movies I'm watching anyway to have characters like this who have these sort of, you know, experiences. Yes. So I I think a lot of people express that but don't necessarily mean it uh, in in the very literal way they're expressing it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Because I think especially any sort of film that has gay characters in it, no matter what genre it is, is going to be made stronger by fully taking advantage of the thematic elements that are possible from having gay characters, you know? Mm. Like there's a lot of interesting and cool themes that can be strengthened by the presence of gay people that... It's kind of like wasting that potential if you don't take advantage of it by making those thematic elements a part of the story, you know? Yeah, and I mean, again, you've heard me talk about, like, the inherent dramatic potential of, of trans characters in oh, a yeah. lot of, like, oh, yeah. soapy fiction. And I'm just like, please, like, use this. There's so much you could do with this in, in, in like, in, in dramatic terms. And there's, um, there's so many, yeah, there's a lot of great dramatic ways to use that sort of thing in fiction and also like i think this movie proves that in a lot of ways like not only can it improve gay stories by including these like interesting speculative elements it also can improve the tropes themselves and make them fresh and new by bringing Mm. in gay characters because this is such a completely new take on mm. the whole alternate angel shows you an alternate reality trope, which you, is made possible never... by having gay characters. Yeah, exactly. You would never have had this movie with a straight couple. Exactly. It, it would not... wouldn't make any sense. No. I mean, I guess Sweet Home Alabama would, would be what you got out of that, I guess. I have not actually ever seen Sweet Home Alabama, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Well, there's a rich guy in the city and there's a nice guy she used to date in, in, in the South. Ah, uh, so. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. But at that point, yeah, it's not interesting anymore. <laughs> exactly. Like <laughs> It's only interesting and new because of the presence of gay people, <laughs> which makes <laughs> all of the thematic elements more interesting. Yeah, and I mean, it's built up around that, right? It's, oh, it, yeah. It, which is why it wouldn't make sense otherwise. Um, yeah. Anyway... I don't know whether or not I'd strongly say this was a good movie, but it's certainly an interesting movie that I enjoyed. So, <laughs> again, after those first like rough twenty minutes, I I I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's just I, like I hope I hope the acting is not like this the whole way through, or like yeah. line delivery. Yeah, it is rough to get into at first, 
And I think it's one of those movies that you kind of have to meet it where it's at. For sure. Like you kind of have to be willing to go along with it in a lot of the mm. stuff that it's doing. And also be willing to just be like, okay, well, that sucked. And just set the, set apart the sides, that the set aside the parts that suck in order to yeah, yeah, look sure. at the parts that are good. <laughs> yeah. But... Because we can just all agree that the angel being a dead baby was a bad move. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> nope. A bad movie. Don't. Uh, but but again, I, I do think it's in like, um, again, because what I expect from Christmas media is very much like, you know, Santa Claus and elves and shit. Uh, seeing this, like, that's way more about like church politics. Um, yeah it is interesting like a personal connection to 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 christmas and and like religion and faith and like it's pretty interesting to do it that way i don't think santa claus was ever once mentioned in this movie nope nope (laughs) santa's not here although i don't think they ever actually mentioned jesus either so yeah no they 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 mentioned not directly and no that's true (laughs) he's just he's he's around (laughs) Yeah, thematically, and I mean, I mean, again, coming from a, a religious background that's very different from this is also uh, interesting because, I mean, I don't like. It's a long. It's been a long time since I was in the church or anything, but like, the times that have been there, it's it's never like these sorts of pastors people bring up because that's just not what people tend to focus on in in the Danish church at all. It's it's very like uh, love your neighbor stuff and. That's just, I mean, if you're on the countryside, I'm sure there's a lot of this. And in the independent churches, I'm sure there's a lot of this. But just in, in like where I grew up, it's just not part of it, really. Or it's not an emphasized part of it because it's very, you know, we're all sinners and it's fine. Jesus saved us. Let's just be happy. It's fine. Uh, so it's it's a completely different context for me. Yeah, definitely. For me as well, although I'm I'm a bit more familiar with other American religions Mm. other than Mormonism, even though what I was raised in was Mormonism. But yeah, Mormonism is its own whole animal. So (laughs) it's Mm. a completely different thing. Mormon. I'm sure we'll get into that at some point when we watch a bad Mormon gay movie. Oh yeah. We have to at some point. There's, (laughs) there's a a bad, there's a bad Mormon gay movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. Jesus. We have to watch that one at some point. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> and then I can anyway, ramble I on. You. And then I can ramble on about the reality of Mormonism forever because, yeah. like, every there's there's a handful of bad gay Mormon movies out there. <laughs> Almost every single one of them gets a lot of things fundamentally wrong about the yeah, Mormon yeah. religion or culture or both. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I was just saying that uh, Mormon, like church meetings are a very different thing from I think most other churches Mm. and interestingly enough like I feel like a lot of other churches like their one big event of the year is on Christmas but I'm sure that's the case here in Mormonism like if like we don't do special events on Christmas at all and if Mm. Christmas happens to fall on a Sunday, we'll actually cut our usual church meeting short so we can go do Christmas more. (laughs) 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 So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Just, anyway. 
we'll have to decide what we'll watch for next time. Maybe it uh, will but be... I actually, I actually had a thought more about this. Oh, yeah, uh, go ahead. Because uh, when I was growing up, um, we had this whole discussion about, like, I mean, gay marriage has been legal here for a long time, but gay marriage in uh, churches specifically was discussed a lot as I was growing up and uh, became legal but then the thing is that like uh if a priest doesn't want to do it for like because it goes against their fate or whatever they don't have to do it uh and a lot of people were like criticizing this uh exception um and i've always just been like well if your priest doesn't want to do it then you probably don't want to be married by that priest uh and it's just interesting seeing the way uh, these characters want this very specific priest because of their personal relationship with him, even though they're also talking about, well, other churches in New York, um, you know, are, are willing to perform gay marriages. So it's just like thinking back to that, like growing up with that discussion uh, and how I was always very, you know, I was, I, I kind of knew I was queer at this point. I wasn't clear on any of the specifics. But I knew it was something that had something to do with me. And I was also always just a bit like, why is this such a big deal for people? And, you know, just go do it somewhere else. It's fine. And it's just interesting seeing somewhere where you have, like, the the perspective of the people who, for whom it is, like, super important or whatever. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. That's definitely, like, in America, that's never really been a big specific conversation because the whole religious freedom is such a big thing here that as mm. soon as marriage equality was passed it was already like but churches obviously don't have to do it if they don't want to like that's mm. a big thing although uh i know people who are from america might remember uh this is something that happened when i was a teenager i think that there was a uh Prop 8 was what it was called, which it was a proposition on the California election mm, that was... Yeah, I've heard about this. Yeah, that was a... Um, it was a ballot initiative to make gay marriage legal in California. And the Mormon church, and especially, like, Mormon individuals, made a big push against it, to, like, fight against it passing. And that was mm. a big controversy when I was a kid. And this was, like, before I knew I was gay or anything. But I was... Even back then, I was always, like for gay marriage though just on principle like yeah, even yeah. though i was mormon because my family's a weird liberal mormon family but <laughs> you know <laughs> but uh but like the reasoning behind it like behind the church fighting against this was always like well but if they pass this then at some point down the line they're going to force churches to do uh to do gay marriages and we're gonna have to start right. allowing gay marriage in our temples and which has always been ridiculous to me because, well, for one thing, that hasn't happened at all, even though it's legal mm. around the country now for gay marriage to happen. Churches don't have to do anything about it. And it would be absolutely impossible to pass any sort of law in America that would force churches to do gay marriage. Yeah, you, ha you have a really weird relationship to freedom of religion, to be honest. Yeah, no, America's a wild place. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that just never seemed like a big issue to me. Because I didn't mm. think it would actually happen. But yeah, even now as an adult, not really being Mormon anymore and being gay now, like, it's weird because, like, yeah, now I'm coming from it 
to it from the other direction where I'm like, well, I wouldn't want to get gay married in a temple anyway, because like, Mm. that's not something I want in my life anymore. But there are Mm. a lot of gay people who are still active, devout Mormons who that might be a big deal to them if that was ever possible. And it certainly would open a lot of doors in my extended family for like how accepted being gay is to them. Because, like, being married in the temple is such an important thing in Mormonism. Mm. And, I mean, generally, generally I think it's about the symbolic power of it. Um, Yeah. Well, and it's symbolic power, but also, like, just in terms of doctrine, like... Right, yeah. uh, In Mormonism, in order to get to the highest level of heaven, like, Mormonism has this weird tiered heaven system, but in order to get to the highest level of the highest level of heaven, you have to be married in the temple. Right, like a yeah. single person, like like in a lot of Protestant churches, it's a sense that like being married is better than having sex outside of marriage. But ideally, you would just be single and never have sex in your life at all. Like <laughs> is that is kind of like the level of what's considered sinful or not. But in Mormonism, being single is worse. Like you have to be married to get into yeah. heaven, which is weird. And I'm here like... I'm here like I I I attended my parents' wedding because they didn't get married married till I was six years old. <laughs> so it's just yeah, like that's... he's talking about fornicators, and I'm like, is that a, oh okay sure whatever. But anyway, I'm sure I'll get into more specific Mormon stuff again in future episodes. Sorry to ramble yeah, about yeah. it for so long, but it's just no no. I mean, I think yeah. the power of a movie like this is that it like makes you think about these things. Yeah, definitely. It would definitely, it would change a lot of things mm. if uh, gay marriage was allowed in Mormon temples. That would be like a massive shift. Yeah. But and yeah, I, think I don't, that, I, I, don't think think... That, I mean, it's also like the, the reason it's like possible here is because of social change that's happened outside of the church. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, also like, um, I mean, people are religious here, but, but certainly the church has a lot of less authority over the ways in which people are religious uh yeah. like for for example my my dad is actually pretty religious if you talk to him about it but he doesn't go to church at all um and a, there are a lot of people like that because it's a, about you know the personal relationship with god or whatever and yeah you know these very specific parts of of you know uh, especially like the new testament and and you know all of these uh these stories or whatever uh, and, and like acting the way that Jesus would act or whatever. Uh, so obviously it's it's going to be a lot easier to for people to accept the idea of uh, like gay marriage in a church if the idea of marriage in a church isn't that big of a deal anymore. It's true, for sure. Whereas Mormonism is a very sort of hierarchical, top-down, if you're involved in it, you're very, very involved in it sort of religion. Mm, so mm. it there's much less of a, well, you just can personally do whatever you feel like doing sort of thing yeah. in Mormonism. It's like either it's going to be officially approved by the church or it's not happening at all anywhere. Yeah. So And I mean, there's, there's some minority <laughs> religions right, like that here, like some Protestant uh, smaller churches. Um, but it was recently discovered how they've been... Um, like in the sex education, basically teaching that, you know, homosexuality is a sin or whatever. Or whatever. Um, so, you know, it, you do have these sort of things as well. It's just, you know, when you have a state church and the, the, the state s- sanctions the idea, it's it's going to follow that. 
Yeah, definitely. The fact that it's a state church changes a lot of things. Exactly. Yeah. Because hmm. I mean, they get all their funding from from this, like from taxes. So yeah. of course they're yeah. going to have to do what like that's I think that's essentially why you can uh, quote unquote force them to do gay weddings for sure. Yeah, it's in America. Churches don't get taxpayer funding, but they also don't have to mm. pay taxes. So there's. <laughs> yeah. But oh well. Anyway, any any further thoughts? No, I, I think I've rambled enough. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's just we're, we'll have to decide what our next movie will be. Maybe it will be the gay Mormon movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Who knows? <laughs> that could be fun. Uh, we'll definitely watch that eventually. So maybe yeah. next. I don't know. but uh... we'll, we'll talk about it off, uh, <laughs> off, uh, off air. Yeah. And, uh, you know, until next time, Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us. And always remember you know, that you have to, that it's important for you to trust your heart, love deeply, and be brave. <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas or, like, happy holidays, uh, whatever you celebrate. Have a good time. Stay safe. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. We have decided it cannot be. I'm not for him and he's not for me. He can do what he wants and I'll do what I can. But the both of us have got to get up.